0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. And thank Him and honor Him for how faithful He is, how good He is. He's been good to us. Come on, five more seconds. Just lift up a good praise to God. Let's have gratitude for all the good things He's done. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I don't know who's going to win tonight, but I know the Lord is here today. Amen. You can have a seat. Man, I can't believe a Giants fan won something. Of all the teams that I wish did not get something positive happening to them today it was a Giants fans no I'm joking I'm joking well as you can see I'm salty I wore my throwback Dion jersey for the Cowboys because that's the only good thing I have to celebrate is the past because nothing positive is happening now Uh, but I hope you guys are uh, having a good time today that was a lot of fun great worship today how about a big hand for our worship team awesome presence that's in this place and I want to take a second and honor uh, some guests that we have here today. We're happy to have you. Uh, the honorable uh, Eriberto Vélez-Vélez, uh, alcalde de Quebradillas, and uh, uh, su esposa, Edith Seneda. Uh, uh, bienvenidos a City of Life. Uh, la presencia del Señor está aquí en este lugar. El Espíritu está aquí. And uh, You're welcome. Thank you for being with us and taking time. Uh, we honor you and appreciate you being here uh, with us. We're going to have a great day today. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 28 is my text. But before I get into that, I want to make sure that I re-invite you this Friday to Love Strong. I think that what happened in 2020 with marriages and, and, and people and culture, just, just everything feeling like it was dissolving. and Just some of the most difficult problems I've ever seen. We need some healing, don't we? And I think that Love Strong is one of those things for marriages. So please, uh, married couples, be there uh, Friday night. It's going to be so much fun. The next Sunday, I can't wait to celebrate Love Strong Relationships Sunday. We're going to be digging into things that really uh, benefit and encourage you in all of your relationships. Not just romantic relationships, but friendships and and parental relationships and brothers and sisters. Just learning how to love people better. It's going to be a great weekend. All right, Mark chapter 12, verse 28 says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I'm going to talk to you today on living a super life on Super Bowl Sunday, living a super life. And I got news for you. My message today is not normal for me. I normally teach on one topic, Uh, but today, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, I'm going to give you just a bunch of stuff I'm going to throw out about eight different ideas that each of them could be sermons and messages on their own. So you better grab something to write on. I'm gonna be throwing out all kinds of stuff for you to live the best possible life that you can live for Jesus. And I believe when we leave here, you're gonna be really encouraged. So Father, bless this message, bless this time together. Nobody is here by accident. Everyone that is in this room is here because you drew us here together to hear what you have to say about our life and to listen to what your direction is for us. Bless this time together. Let us be encouraged and leave changed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. So in this, uh, in this story where we have someone coming to Jesus and asking him this question, what is the most important commandment? That is a really big, powerful question to ask Jesus. And his response is very, very telling. Jesus' response to that question, what is the, he, the guy's basically saying, what's the most important thing in the world? And Jesus' answer is this, not only love God with everything you have in your being, but love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you, but growing up, I knew a lot of Christians that didn't seem like they loved their in a very healthy way. I knew a lot of people who uh, claimed to be Christians and maybe went to church and did all the things. They didn't do this. They didn't cuss. They didn't drink. They didn't party. I knew all these people that did these kinds of things, but they didn't necessarily seem like they had an appropriate, healthy kind of love for themselves. And I think that is a really critical key to understanding what Jesus meant in this response. Basically, what he was saying is that you're supposed to love God with everything you have. And when you love God the right way, then you love yourself the right way. And you can never love your neighbor the right way until you love yourself the right way. You're not going to have anything extra to give to other people if you're dying yourself. You need to, so I want you to do something that is really tough for some people to do. Put your hand on your heart and say, I love myself. Come on, keep your hand there and say, I love myself because God loved me first. God cares for you, God sees tremendous value in you. Just because somebody else told you that you're not valuable doesn't mean that you're not valuable to God. You never define something by who values it the least. The value of an eye is actually defined by who values it the most. I went with some friends yesterday to the Orlando Museum of Art and saw Jean-Michel Basquiat's private collection that has never been displayed ever in history. And he is, by the way, he's... Puerto Rican, Haitian. Uh, He's the the number one selling artist in the history of America, Uh, more than Georgia O'Keeffe, more than uh, Andy Warhol, any of those people. This guy sold, his art is valued more than any of those people. But the collection that we saw yesterday were works that were purchased in 1982 and done on cardboard. And kind of his stuff is real street art-ish. I happen to be a fan of that type of art. But when you see it, it's done on cardboard, and some of it he didn't have money for canvases at that time. So this collection is valued at $400 million. So, I mean, it's it's like you go see it over, I think it's going to be there until September. But for $400 million for something that's on cardboard that looks like children's drawing to some people. If you really look close, you can see the power and the emotion that is in some of these drawings. But isn't it incredible that something that's on cardboard that looks like a child drew it, If the wrong person sees it, they might step on it. But if the right person sees it, they say it's a masterpiece. And in the same way, maybe you've been stepped on. In the same way, maybe people have... Maybe somebody told you that you didn't have worth and you didn't have value. And it caused you to lose the belief that you were important to God. But I want to tell you something. He believes that you're priceless and he paid the greatest price that anyone could ever pay to purchase you for him. So today you have to be able to love yourself, not based on how great you are or your accomplishments or your abilities. You have to love yourself because you have to believe and know God saw the most value in me and paid the greatest price for me. So that kind of healthy love that you have for yourself is what fills you up with an overflow to be able to give to other people. So that's the life that you're called to live. So it's okay to love yourself. You know, C.S. Lewis, who is one of my favorite theologians, if you're not familiar with his stuff, maybe you've heard of him from like The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe and some of his novels, but he's one of the greatest theologians of all time. He says something that is really powerful and really deep. He said, if you asked 20 good men today what they thought was the highest of virtues, 19 of them would reply, unselfishness. He said, but if you asked almost any of the great Christians of old, they would say, love. He said, you see what has happened? A negative term has been substituted for a positive term. So his point here, and I know that's kind of a deep sounding idea, but his point is that instead of viewing the most important thing in the world as an active thing that we do for others, we've sort of changed it and messed up the meaning to think that life is all about not doing this and not doing that. I got news for you. When you're focused on what you should be doing, you don't have time to worry about what you shouldn't be doing. What we're supposed to do is live these lives that are fully empowered by the Holy Spirit to love people, to enjoy life. Jonathan Edwards said God is glorified not only by his glory being seen, but by them being rejoiced in. So that means we're supposed to live these lives that are so full of joy in knowing God that the overflow of his goodness spills over into conversations. It spills over into the business world. It spills over into interactions. People see his faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy flowing through. Is anyone alive today on Super Bowl Sunday? It's flowing through us in every way possible. Psalm 37 and 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. Come on delight yourself in the Lord he'll give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 16:11 says you make known to me the path of your of life in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. So I think we see from some of these scriptures that the point of all this is being happy and enjoying our relationship with God and having a healthy love for ourselves. And once we have that healthy love for ourselves, we can begin enjoying what's around us. So today I want to give you eight keys to living a super life. Who wants to live a super life? I want to live a super life. I want to give you eight keys to truly, truly live a super life. Uh, So I want, before I do that, I want to give you one more biblical example of a healthy way of loving yourselves. Ephesians 5 says in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. So that's showing you there that it's okay to love yourself. It's important to love yourself if you're ever gonna love anybody effectively. So I wanted to make that kind of the opening idea that we need to have a healthy love because I think in some way we're taught you don't want to love yourself in an unhealthy way. Like as, as a Cowboys fan, Terrell Owens was one of my favorite receivers. But T.O., every time he would catch a touchdown, he'd be on the sideline. He'd say, I love me some T.O. You know, he, he loved himself. Like, he, like he's like joking like he loves himself too much. You don't want to love yourself in a negative, unhealthy way. You want to love yourself in the right, positive kind of way. So here's eight ideas that I'm going to throw out at you. Kind of rapid fire. Uh, but here's some things for you to think about to live uh, a super life. Number one, The future is the present. There is a power about living in the moment and living in the power of today. Philippians 121, Paul says, To live is Christ, but to die is gain. He basically said whether I live or die, it's all about Jesus. If I live, it's Christ. If I die, I go on to be with Christ. So why not just be happy in whatever situation you're in? I want to make sure that in my life, no matter what I'm doing, I'm happy in the moment. Yes, it's great to plan something. Yes, it's great to have a dream. Yes, it's great if you need to lose weight and get in shape and you've got a fitness journey planned out. But I got news for you. You can be just as satisfied today knowing that you're beginning that journey than you will be when you come to the end of that journey. There's a power in knowing I'm going to change. There's a power in knowing I'm going to make things better starting today, and today is the first step. You may be surprised sometimes if you think this gratification is going to come later down the road, and it's going to be so much greater than deciding to do the right thing today. No, the whole purpose of my book, Jesus first, Jesus always, is at the moment we embrace our destiny, which is to look like Jesus, you can have as much fulfillment today as you will ever have in your whole life. So the future is the present. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. What's the secret? I can do everything through him that gives me strength. Can someone say amen? I can do everything, all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the future is the present. Somebody look at the neighbor next to you and say, hello, neighbor. neighbor. Say, learn to be happy today, neighbor. All right, so that's number one. Number two, be driven by the dream. Be driven by the dream. This is not contradictory to what I said in my first point about being happy now. We have to be happy now, but we also have to have tangible goals that we put in front of us that we set for ourselves. if we're going to live this super kind of life. I believe in the power of a dream. I talked about it last week on Vision Sunday. A dream or a vision gives you hope when there's no hope in sight. sight, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 says, write the vision plain upon the table so he may run that readeth them. You have to make goals that can be perceived. And you know what? It's okay if they're huge goals. It's okay if you're, it's the kind of goal that makes other people laugh. It's it's okay. As a matter of fact, you probably need a goal that when you say that dream to somebody, they go, really? You probably need that kind of dream. I think it's important. I remember 15 years ago when I first wrote a script for a movie, I didn't know anybody in the movie business. I didn't know one single person that ever made a movie. All I did is I went to the store and bought the 20 most successful screenwriting books ever and I spent a year of my life uh, just investing in learning how to write that movie and after dozens and dozens of terrible versions of the script and refining them and getting beat up by people and, and giving the script to someone that says terrible, it's awful, fix this, change that. All those kinds of things it finally got to the point where I was able to do it. But you have to have a crazy dream. You have to have one level has to be crazy. And that's something that's outrageous. Then the next level is a concrete dream. And that's more specifics. And then you say, I don't just want to make a movie. I want to make a movie about my dad's life. And I want it to be within this budget range. I want it to be a, a drama. And then you have to go, you'll go crazy, concrete, then you go control. That's the third level of, of, of the type of goal setting you need to do. Control is learning the things that you can and can't control. So like, for instance, uh, I, I use this in the first service. Let's say your crazy dream is you want a gold medal. That is a crazy dream. What do you mean by that? I mean that it's just a, not an ordinary dream. But people dream it, and they do it. So it's, a, it's, it's possible, even though it's crazy. Well, let's, and let's say you want to win a gold medal in the 100 meters. Okay? Well, the concrete dream underneath that, the concrete goal is that you're going to have to learn how to run 100 meters in under 10 seconds. Okay, and, and very few people have ever done that in human history. Very few people can do that on the planet. So if you're ever going to win a gold medal on that final race, on the final race of the, of the, of the Summer Olympics, they're always under 10 seconds. In the, in the preliminaries, they rarely get under 10, but at that last minute, they save everything they can. So you're going to have to figure out a way for your body to run in under 10 seconds and 100 meters. That is the concrete side. Now, the control side is that you can't control certain things. You can't control certain injuries you get. You can't control the weather. You've got to learn what you can and you can't control. And then finally, the last level are everyday things, and that's coming up with the training regimen, figuring out what exercises strengthen uh, sprinting the most, endurance, uh, is, you know, taking care of your muscles, uh, getting massage, wh- whatever, before and after working out. Uh, you've got to learn how to do practical everyday things in the same way when you're goal setting, you have to have crazy dreams, concrete, dreams, controlled dreams, and everyday goals to get to those things. Number three, uh, this is a great one right here. Eliminate toxic talk. Eliminate toxic talk. Can I just encourage you really quick? Speak life over yourself. Speak life over your family. Speak life over your circumstance. Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can, you can choose right now in everything that you're going through in your life to speak life over your circumstance or to speak death over your circumstance. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't let negative talk come out of your mouth. Don't let the kind of language come out of your mouth that is not reflecting of God's goodness. But, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What a high standard for the way we're supposed to talk. That says that everything we say at the end of it, when we walk away, we should be able to ask ourselves, did I minister grace to the person that I was talking to? At the end of the conversation, when I was done talking, was there grace in it? I think it's so important, if that's not what you're doing, to adjust that in your life, to make sure that you switch that you, you have to learn how to eliminate toxic talk. And sometimes toxic talk is all wrapped up in things that go wrong. And you get focused on the wrong things and you just feed into negativity. Stop bringing up all the time everything that goes wrong. You know what those are called? They're called distractions. Distractions. We have to learn, the Bible says, keeping our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus. If I've got my eyes fixed on Jesus and there's something that goes wrong, that's a distraction. If I take my eyes off Jesus and get it fixed on the distraction, my eyes are no longer on Jesus. I've got to stay focused. So don't bring up negative things like that you can't control and get into negativity like, why didn't you do this? How come you couldn't just have, ha, uh, ha, uh, ha, uh, ha, uh, ha, uh, uh. this is, Look at someone next to you say, be positive. Look at the person next to you say, I'm sorry for the negative talk. I'm working on it. How many people know that the why did you do this stuff, it, it really doesn't teach people that much. Because the spirit that it's being asked with is not being asked with grace. It's sort of like I don't know how many of you have kids, but when a kid, you know, comes in with toilet paper wrapped all around him and like marker all over their face, you don't ask a three-year-old why did you do that. There's no answer they're going to give that's going to make sense. It's not going to change what actually happened. We can put healthy boundaries and parameters and have conversations about, you know, why we don't do that with the toilet paper. It's not good to mark on your body. We've got, you know, paper for that. We can do all that stuff in teaching in positive ways, but to just get an answer of why did you do this or why did that happen, that's actually toxic. It's negative talk. It's people that get into a, a negative space Um, You know, there are kind and rational ways to analyze and address poor decisions, but they have to be done with a godly spirit. Here's another thing. I encourage you, proclaim God's promises over yourself and over your family. Speak God's word over your life. Verbally acknowledge the good things God has done. Get in the habit when you find yourself in a bad mood and you're waking up, If you're one of those I haven't had my coffee yet type of people and you're just in a bad kind of mood, learn how to get up and make yourself praise. Literally, get out of bed and just say, I praise you today, Lord. Stick your hands up in the air and say, I worship you today. I thank you for my life. I thank you that I'm awake. I thank you that I'm good looking. I'm smart. I'm funny. I'm, I got knowledge. I'm willing to, I, I'm, I'm strong. I can, do, I can do all things through Christ. It strengthens me. Just, you, just start, begin to speak over your life. Things obey words. And if you start learning how to dictate the flow of your life by speaking into your life, the word of God over your life, you're going to start seeing things align. Focus on eliminating negative speech from your vocabulary. End ideas, end interactions with people with a positive outcome. Instead of ending conversations with, well, I don't know. You know, th- What does that do? I mean, it, it doesn't really do anything. I, I would rather say, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I know God's going to work it out. And I know that as long as we do the right thing, God is going to take care of the things that we can't take care of. So let's, let's eliminate toxic talk and speak life over ourselves. Number four, replace self-pity with gratitude. Replace self-pity with gratitude. I was reading a book where the author witnessed a car accident. Two people that were in a, this, an accident, and both people got out of their vehicles. Neither one was hurt. One person... Uh, The person that actually got hit actually was lifting their hands up in a gracious attitude. Thank God neither one of us are hurt. The person who got hit was saying, thank God that neither one of us were hurt. But the person who hit the person said, why does this stuff always happen to me? So so you have two people in the same exact situation. One was in the self-pity mode. Of why does this always happen to me? But the other one was in the mode of thankfulness that I'm okay. It could have been so much worse. When are we gonna flip that in our lives and stop being so sorry for ourselves about everything that happened and start having thankfulness and counting blessings before we count curses in our life? Can I tell you something? The bad things, yeah, the bad things always happen to me mentality is a self fulfilling prophecy. Bad things always happen to me. That mentality is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you speak that over your life, it will come true. But I got good news for you. Good things always happen to me. That mentality is also a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you speak that over your life, you say, is that the secret? Yeah, it's the secret that God is faithful to his promises. That's the secret is God is faithful to his promise. If you begin to speak life over your situation, his word, the Bible says, does not return void. So when you speak it over your life, you're gonna see it come to pass in your life. I feel like this is some good stuff right here. I, I didn't hear no preacher, white boy, nothing like that today. There's, there's some sleepy people in the room. All right. uh, Romans chapter one, verse 21 says, although they knew God, They did not glorify him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. It basically says that when you don't thank God for all the little things that he does for you, when you lose your sense of gratitude, your mind and your thinking become futile and your heart becomes darkened. So the way to keep your heart in the right place is to be grateful for every little thing that you have in your life. You may not have as much as someone else, but you got something. You got more than somebody does in this world, and that's something to be grateful for. We need to start changing our attitude regarding self-pity and replace it with gratitude. Here's another one. Number 5 You U2.0. Upgrade yourself. That's, That's just an encouragement for you today. Become better in your life. Find ways to grow in your area. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I think it's so important in our life to constantly be a workman in some area. Be learning, be growing, expanding your skill set. It doesn't matter what area you're in. Read books that make you better in your area. Learn a completely new area. I know my wife and my family and I, we... Take this thing called MasterClass. It's like a hundred some dollars a year, but I think it has like 50 different courses from Gordon Ramsay, Alicia Keys, uh, Ron Howard on directing, Martin Scorsese on directing. Like, like, it's just every anything you could imagine. Tom Morello teaches guitar. Uh, Steph Curry does a dribbling thing on there. Like, no matter what area you want to learn about, they're actual like eight-hour masterclasses. They're almost like college-level courses where you can learn expertise in things i think one of the important things in life is to continue growing you say what does this have to do with the bible it has to do with the fact that the bible says in john 10 10 the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but i have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest an abundant life that's full of more things than you can imagine for yourself grow learn become better work out Read a book. Uh, Become debt-free. Learn a new language. I need to practice my Spanish a little bit, but learn a new language. Grow. And and go to the next level in your life. Number six. I like this one because it's short and sweet. It's basically this. LOL. Learn how to laugh out loud. Have fun in life. Enjoy yourself. Some people just look like you haven't smiled since 1962. Uh, Proverbs 17.22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit drives up the bones. Start having fun deliberately. Do fun things. Play games with your friends. Throw a party. Have a board game night. Watch something fun. Watch a comedy. Figure out a way to laugh and enjoy life. If you think Jesus wasn't fun, you're wrong. Jesus was fun. He was funny. He was enjoyable. People flocked to him. People loved him. And I think it's important that we in our lives as Christians don't live this dried up, kind of life, but we learn to have a good time. I've only got two more, and I'm going to be done. Uh, Number seven is be disciplined and sober-minded. I think that's some encouraging words for you to to make sure that you develop disciplines in your life. There are things that at times you need to take up and start being disciplined, and that's why the 21 days of prayer and fasting is great. Sometimes I think it's important just for your own sake to stop doing something that you do regularly. So, like, let's say you, you have a habit of watching television every single night and you watch Netflix, like a show, every single night. It could be a good idea to take a fast from Netflix for 30 days and say, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to quit doing it, period, so that I'm sure that something doesn't have a hold in my life. I'll tell you the hardest thing that I did last year uh, is I, for, for two months I quit drinking Diet Mountain Dew, which Revelation 20:34 says that that's the nectar of heaven and we should drink it as much as possible. I'm pretty sure it doesn't say that, but uh, I I decided that I was like drinking it so much, like a, a lot of it. I just wanted to, not, not for because of my doctor or anything. I just wanted to see if I could do it for a while. And so for a couple months, I just quit drinking it. Just quit drinking it because I just want to make sure I don't have things in my life that are in such control over me that I can't lay them down at any time because that's called an idol. Uh, so in our lives, let's have discipline in our lives. Be sure that we're we're disciplined and sober-minded. 1 Peter 1.13 says, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. Debauchery means the life of an abandoned person that can't be saved because they're too excessive with what they do. So it's important as Christians that we're not, uh, you know, kind of, polluting our mind or putting, filling our mind with things that change our mindset so we can deal with issues easier. If you have to have something in order to have enough peace to deal with what you're going through, you're not allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to fill your mind and deal with reality in the way it actually is. You're changing reality so you can deal with it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to be sober-minded. That's why pastors for 1 Timothy 3.8, it says... Deacons are to be worthy of respect, not indulging in mul- in much wine. That's why the standard for, for ministers is very high. Uh, you know, and I think it's important that we understand that overindulgence in anything, it doesn't matter if it's eating or your, your habits with, um, you know, playing video games or sports or anything. If you overdo anything, it becomes excessive and it will destroy you. Uh, it's important, you know, if, like, like I said, to, to, to not overindulge and to be sober-minded. Now, don't get discouraged if you're here and you've got some vice in your life that you feel like you haven't been able to get over. Uh, get encouraged today to be disciplined and focused and move in a new direction. And then finally, my last one is live with no fear. John chapter four, verse 18 uh, says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears and is not made perfect, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. You know, it's not just fear. When you're dealing with fear, it's not just people that are afraid of getting COVID or like afraid of leaving their house or stuff like that. I'm not talking about that or fear of getting a disease. Um, I'm talking about fearing taking chances in life fearing stepping out don't live in fear in your life a lot of people are so afraid to fail you know what is the secret of not being afraid to fail i think i think one of the secrets of not being afraid to fail is learning that failure is not fatal and it's not final that when you fail it's okay I got news for you. If you try something that you believe that God has put on your heart that you can do in your life, if you fail at that thing, is he going to love you any less the next day? If you fail at that thing, is your calling going to be diminished in any way? No. So I think that once we realize that our lives are not going to be destroyed if we fail, that can give us some strength and courage to try something. And if it doesn't work out, learn from that situation, move forward, adjust a little bit, and Never, ever, church, city of lifers, never settle for what if in your life. Let's not be those kind of people. Let's be the kind of people that are so full of faith that we're willing to step out and try things and believe that God is big enough uh, to make it happen. I like when people have bucket lists. I don't have a specific bucket. I do have a lot of things. I probably have one. I've never been to certain places I'd love to go to. There's a lot of things I want to do. People that do have bucket list. have say, I want to do this, and I want to do I love that. That that shows me drive in a person's life. They've got big dreams, and it motivates me to dream more. In the back room, somebody came up to me and said, you know, after last week, I heard you talking about living that, that big kind of life, and I've decided, decided I'm going to start my own podcast. I never have thought that before. I never thought I could have my own podcast, and that excited me to hear that dreams are contagious, and this mentality is contagious, so don't live your life bound in fear that you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Start believing that you can, you can, you can by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's some of my keys on uh, living a super life. I know that was a lot of information. And like I said, I normally like to keep it on one topic. But today on Super Bowl Sunday, I just want to give you a bunch of stuff to get excited about, uh, to, to kind of use in your uh, arsenal of things that you use against the devil to live big. But I think the biggest idea here today is you'll never do any of that. To you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You have to have a healthy love for yourself and then you can start loving people the right way. So I encourage you today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, you've never given your heart to the Lord, I wanna give you an opportunity right now to know Jesus. I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. As I mentioned earlier, when I was talking about the artwork that A piece of art is never defined by who would pay the least for it, but always by who would pay the most. You're valuable to God. You mean something to Him. He purchased your salvation on the cross. He came from heaven to earth. He became a man. God became a man because of the love that he has for you. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I got news for you. He knows what situation you're in because he's watching you. When I was about five years old I went fishing with my dad and a whole group of guys at nighttime. we went shrimping and I thought I could jump from the dock to the boat and I tried to jump but the jump was too much and I fell down into the ocean underneath the pier that was down there before I even had a chance to call out my dad's name he figured out a way to reach down and pull me out of that water. I got news for you. Your Father in heaven knows what you're going through. But call out on him today. Call his name. The name is Jesus. Call on his name today. Ask him to save you out of your brokenness. Ask him to save you out of your sin. Acknowledge that you have sinned and you can't save yourself. And whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved no one's looking around with every head bowed every eye closed if you're here today and you need Jesus to become the Lord of your life no one looking around when I count to three on the number three I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in the air and I believe God is going to move in this place God's going to move online one the Bible says now is the time of salvation two I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment three hands up all over the room if that's you Come on, hands going up in every city. That's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people in this room respond. Thank you, Jesus, responding to God's love today. I believe it's happening online. If that's you online, would you just type in that chat, I need Jesus, I'm lifting my hand right now. This This is a revival right here today. Thank you, Lord. Would you repeat this out loud? Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life with you, Lord, I can't save myself. Only you can do that. Teach me how to love myself in a godly way. Help me to share that love so that other people can be encouraged through my life as a testimony for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, could we give God a great praise today? I love you guys. I believe in you guys. Let the end of your applause be for the...